2: Excuse me. Hello listeners, hello everybody. Is everybody assembled? Have you taken your seats? Refreshments available from the bar. It is time for another delightful episode of Homo Sapiens Extra. I'll be your host today. My name is Christopher Sweeney. I come to you riding high. The LGBTQ plus community has had a rather brilliant bit of news. Our very own Tom Daly has won gold. At the Olympics. Huge congratulations to Tom and his husband, Dustin Lance Black, who, for fact fans among you out there, wrote the uh, seminal gay film Milk about Harvey Milk in San Francisco. I bet they're all celebrating still in the old um, Olympic village or whatever it's called. So proud of him. What incredible hard work he has done over the course of his life to, um, you know get there. I mean, I struggle running around the village. Now then, let me remind you, what is Homo Sapiens Extra? Homo Sapiens Extra. It's where we read your emails and where we read your feedback. It's where we get into wonderful things like topic of the week. What is topic of the week? Well, it's where we talk about a topic that is pertinent to the LGBTQ plus community. This week, we're talking about cancel culture. It's a term that gets thrown around a lot. And what does it mean? Is it useful? how is it evolving and what are the specifics for lgbtq plus people and it's a really interesting listeners we've had loads of messages it's really gotten under your skin this topic so i'm looking forward to chatting about it and there's a door banging which i'm just going to go and stop because it's going to bang for the entire time because in case you haven't noticed listeners summer's gone weather's gone rubbish hasn't it so now there's wind everywhere wind and rain I don't think there's many things more painful than a door consistently banging because of the wind. That and, um, you know, when a, when a scooter drives, a moped or a motorbike drives past you really loudly. That, the people who do that, they should reserve a very special place in how maybe they should be cancelled. Um, no, because maybe it's not about cancelling. Maybe it's about meeting with love. Well, we've got opinions from all sides of the fence, but we'll come to that. We're going to be getting an expert in the house for our discussion on council culture. We're going to be talking to Ashley Dottie Charles. Dottie, who you will probably know from Radio 1 Extra. She's the creative curator, I think is the right word, of Apple. And she's a Beats radio presenter. She's an amazing person. She's fascinated me for many years. And she has written a book called Outraged, Why Everyone is Shouting and No One is Talking all about this area cancel culture really and she wrote an article that kind of went a bit viral on the guardian which was basically the headline was as a black gay woman i have to be more selective about what i'm outraged about so you should be too and we are gonna talk to her all about that because it's quite interesting because she didn't write that headline and maybe even that in itself was trying to curate some outrage or was it let's talk to her We also give away a t-shirt for review of the week for those lovely people who review the podcast. If you review the podcast, you can win a t-shirt. I select my favourite review. I give you a t-shirt. You can also buy a t-shirt should you want to. Proceeds are going to the Albert Kennedy Trust at the moment. It's um, everpress.com forward slash homo sapiens. Please, God, stay in touch with us. Keep your agony uncles coming. Sharing is caring. So get in touch if you want to confide in us and get a friendly, supportive solution. It's at Homo Sapiens on Instagram or at Homo Sapiens Podcast on Facebook or the main event, it's email. Hello at Homo Sapiens Let's go and have a look at some emails because did you listen to our episode with Michael Stipe last week? It was an utter joy chatting to him and. So it turns out, an utter joy for you lot to hear it, because you've sent so many lovely messages about it. He really, really touches people. It's really nice to see that he obviously strikes a chord with people. The way that he has sort of conducted his, his queer life, I suppose, is, is something that you, um, a lot of you relate to, a lot of you are really in love with. So Toby got in touch about the Michael Stipe episode. Chris, Thank you so much for this episode! exclamation mark. Toby, not a problem. Michael Stipe has been with me on my queer journey since I was 11, 12, now 29, spring chicken Toby. And he continues to inspire me with his wisdom and his music. His ability to walk unafraid, name of a song of his, and be his full queer self, always resonated with me. I originally came out at 17 as a gay man, but then more recently as a queer and gender fluid. Something that has been quite a challenge to get a head around particularly more recently as I share this more openly. Good on you, Toby. I have found so much comfort in the connection I had with Michael and R.E.M. back when I was younger. My love for his queer story told in Pretty Persuasion, the first time I read his famous quote about being just sexual rather than homosexual or bisexual. Hearing him talk about these feelings of fluidity and queerness in your podcast was once again so affirming and such a joy, capital J-O-Y, stretching a hand out to my past self and their struggle holding it alongside my hand now in the future that is so beautifully put toby just wonderful thank you for making this magic happen toby honestly i just point a microphone at it they they do all the hard work these wonderful people we chat to and it was it's just the whole reason we do this podcast is for emails like that toby pat jackson in winnipeg manitoba canada has been in touch Canada contingent remaining strong. Hello, long time listener. Yes, Pat. Thank you for getting me through lockdown this last year. Pleasure, Pat. But first time correspondent here. I had to write after listening to the episode with Michael Stipe. They say not to meet your heroes. This also crossed my mind, Pat, when I met Michael, and he was a delight. And these episodes prove that wrong. Yes. What an absolute gem of a human being Michael is. Actually, I have met a few in real life and it's been lovely. So well, there you go. Never trust a saying. Maybe that's what we're saying. Your conversation hit me on a bunch of levels. Michael is a few years older than I am. So many of his feelings about being queer but quiet about it as a young person and feeling freer about it now resonated so much. And his talk about photography, spirituality, food, art in general and having his own heroes was simply marvellous. Thanks again for these episodes and the podcast itself. It's been a real gift to someone feeling very landlocked in the middle of Canada over the past weird, unprecedented 17 months. Cheers, stay safe and well. Pat, what a lovely message. Thank you so much. Both of you, Pat and Toby, stay in touch. Keep them coming. We love hearing from you. Speaking of hearing from you, shall we do a bit of uh, Topic of the Weeking? This week on Topic of the Week, we're talking about cancel culture. It's really interesting because the queer community in particular, I have noticed lately as the COVID restrictions all over the world have been lifting in various ways. There's been a lot of policing on Instagram of parties and things and people breaking restrictions and naming and shaming people. And there was even in fact, right at the height of COVID, that Instagram account called Gaze Over COVID that named and shamed people who were breaking restriction rules. And is it healthy to be policing people in this naming and shaming way? Should we be inviting people in and seeking to educate with love? Or is it absolutely people's right to name and shame people? So we put it to you, listeners. We wanted to know what you think. So we asked the Homo sapiens community with a series of polls and it had a very interesting response. First question was, Has cancel culture gone too far? 63% of you said yes. It has gone too far. 37% of you said no, it has not gone too far. Aidan did as a voice note.
3: Hi everyone at Homo Sapiens. For me personally, it's not the cancel culture that worries me, but more of how it's being used as ammunition against minority groups. Like we are not perfect and there are problematic persons among every community but when it comes to extreme acts by minorities within minorities, they tend to be treated as the representation for entire communities. I worry that people who desperately want to find things wrong with the minority communities use supposed cancel culture as a tool to stereotype us. Women, black people, particularly black women, lesbian, gay, all asians, religious and even like lower class and red hair have all been often put down with the angry label and i've experienced this firsthand as i was once labeled the nice gay over the other angry gay uh once and i was met with an apology not long after it i just wanted to weigh in with the food for thought over what this debate could be exploiting i don't know whether it's taken advantage or resurfacing and underlying tension is actually a little bit more ugly. That's what worries me over cancel culture.
2: Wow, Aidan, thank you. Are we simply playing into the hands of the oppressor? Something I ask myself every day as I brush my teeth, that atmosphere of cancel culture can feel like a way to label people sticking up for themselves as overreacting. Oh, well, you're just going to cancel me. And actually, it's a way to stifle what is the groundswell of minorities being able to stick up for themselves and saying what you're doing isn't correct then jezza got in touch to say what the press is saying about cancel culture makes no sense to me to my mind cancel culture real cancellation was section 28 women not having the vote which they still don't in many places its most extreme and hideous forms were crimes against humanity such as enslavement and genocide what people tend to mean now when they discuss council culture is that people are, perhaps for the first time, facing the consequences of their words and actions. The majority of people have been allowed to say whatever they like about all sorts of things, including LGBTQ plus people. The law and general societal attitudes encouraged them to be negative. The law protected them. I do see the value in calling in first before one calls out an individual. I worked for a trans charity for five and a half years doing F2F training But when I tell someone they ought not use the slur that is used to describe trans people, I won't say it, Um, they play victim and accuse me of cancelling them. I am not. They are not used to consequences. That is the bit they're not used to, the consequences. What the press media call cancel culture is, to my mind, consequence culture. Interesting distinction, Jezza. And it truly has a place. Hope that makes sense. So consequence culture, not cancel culture. Matthew then got in touch. Interesting question. I don't think cancel culture has, as such, gone too far. I think the debate about what cancel culture is, isn't, has gone way too far. It's now used by the right, typically, as a phrase to essentially defend their actions when people call them out. J.K. Rowling is a huge example now with her anti-trans rhetoric. She says she's being cancelled, but then her best-selling kids' books still sell, etc., It really irks me as a phrase because the people who complain about being cancelled are usually spouting stuff that they don't want to be challenged on, typically offensive or bigoted, and then they get a media tour about being cancelled, radio, columns, TV. While minority groups that these people target with their rhetoric face very real examples of being cancelled, to use that term, through not getting jobs, being abused online, facing discrimination on a larger scale. That is really interesting, Matthew, thank you. Matthew, who hosts a a wonderful podcast called Bottoming. But then Mike comes in with a whole other angle. He's written in and says, Cancel culture implies that humans can't learn, grow or change. As a primary school teacher, I try to encourage the students to see their mistakes as a chance to improve and better themselves in terms of academics and their character education. Mike, where were you when I was growing up? It's a mentality that as an adult, I've also been working on trying to apply. There are times when a person should face harsh consequences for their actions or words particularly if it is repeatedly hateful, dangerous or damaging behavior. Important distinction. But the mentality of cancel culture seems to be meeting negativity with further negativity. While some people refuse to change, surely it would be best to at least first offer support and give them a chance to learn and develop before leaving them alone on the naughty step forever. Question mark question mark. Very true and wonderfully open-hearted and bold of you, Mike. So then we asked you all, have you ever held out on posting something for fear of being cancelled? 39% of you said yes, 61% of you said no. I'm really surprised by that number. I thought more people would. We've had an anonymous message from someone who says about this very thing. They say, hey guys, really grateful if you could keep this one anonymous for a variety of reasons, including that I'm not completely out yet, but had a thought for the cancel culture discussion, but maybe was one that overlapped with last week's sports topic. I'm a non-binary strength athlete born female and compete in the women's category usually or the MX category when it's available. I think there is a lot that needs to be dug into and discussed in the open when it comes to trans athletes competing in strength sports so that we can find the right way through the issue for athletes transitioning in both directions to make sure that everyone gets the opportunities they deserve. But even I'm terrified of raising it at all for fear of being labelled transphobic despite knowing that transitioning from female to male could be something that's further down the road for me. If someone like me is scared to raise it, it makes me scared about which voices are out there and whether that's proving more polarising. That said, I can't help thinking that the fear of cancel culture may be silencing people who sit in the grey area of an issue and want to find their way through it which may even be slowing the conversations we all need to be having down. So there are some things that this person wants to raise, but doesn't feel that they can. Very interesting take there. Next question was, does the LGBT community police itself more than others? Well, 68% of you said yes, 32% of you said no. Maybe that ties into why more people are saying yes than no is because there is that atmosphere among uh, minority groups of any description sometimes police within themselves rather than banding together and seeking to provide a better future for everyone together and I know that I've heard people on this podcast talk about that before so I wonder if that's maybe the root of it have you forgiven someone you've cancelled I mean I've cancelled Ridley the dog a few times when he's attacked the postman I'm actually looking at him now I can see him from my window and he's lying on the grass looking very happy 68% 68% of you said you have forgiven someone you've cancelled. 32% of you said no. Interesting. Have you yourself ever been cancelled, we asked you? Only 11% of you have been cancelled. Please, God, tell us what you've been cancelled for. You can't leave us hanging. What were those 11% doing? And we had a lovely message from someone here, I can't see the name, to which, have you ever been cancelled? And they wrote in, probably, do I care? Question mark, and then no, with like eight hundred n- n- o's on no, like the um. Do you remember in the Bodyguard when the film, the Whitney Houston film, not the Richard madame vehicle, um, when they said when she calls up and the murderer is on the other end of the phone? Sorry, that was a spoiler. Um, says no, no, like that when she thinks she's talking to her son winnie Houston. This is, I haven't explained this particularly well. Anyway. That's one person's rather funny response. Ben, on the other hand, from the Republic of Ireland, says...
3: You know, you ask the question, have you ever been cancelled? And I think, like, no, I haven't. Because if I think something that I think people are going to object to, you know, you're better off to just not say it. I mean, why, what's the purpose of trying to go out there and offend people? And I think that's actually the opposite of cancer, counter, counterculture. We have a number of personalities that make it their job to go out there and try and ignite these fires all the time. So that's just my take on it. Also, really love the show. One of my favourite podcasts. Love listening to you. And uh, thank you so much for creating this great content for this little gay boy in rural Ireland.
2: Ben, making something for this little gay boy in rural Ireland makes me so happy. It fulfills every single one of my hopes and dreams. And I'm pleased you like it. Thank you for listening. I think it's really interesting that, Ben, you're saying that you shouldn't say something if you know it's offensive. I absolutely agree. I think we've all got a pretty good sense of that. I think it's like you say that these people who make it their business, like I don't even want to say her name. Jack Munro, previous guest of this podcast, took her to court and won. That's all I'm going to say. Genius. She makes it her business to say things that get up people's noses. And we'll be talking to Dottie about that in a bit because she, in her book, Outrage, is talking all about this stuff. However, I don't think you should blanket not say something if you think it I think it's about going into discussions open-minded to having your mind changed and going in with questions rather than statements and going in to listen rather than to speak. I think that's sort of the thing that I feel like we've lost is that you know people want to be so absolute is what some some of you have been saying in your voice notes and messages. If I feel something and I'm not quite sure why I feel like I'm the wrong side of the general consensus then I think there's a way to phrase something, to speak it out loud, and to quizzically ask questions that isn't incendiary. I think we've all got to be able to learn to do that, you know? So we asked you, actually, is it better to cancel someone or engage with them? And a resounding load of you wanted to engage rather than cancel, with quite a bit of nuance, actually. So... Ali said, engage, have a discussion with somebody who has a different opinion than you. Mickey said, communicating is always key. Otherwise, that's how you get world wars. And me and Ridley have been in a similar position, Mickey. Silver Foxter said, it's always important to engage. The only way to sort issues is engagement and conversation and listening. That's why I think we need to add on those and listening. Ben says, it really depends that if they're open to conflict resolution, then yeah, but only if you are too. True, it very much depends on the person. You've got, to, you've got to, you know, some people don't want to listen. Some people don't want to have a discussion. Adrian says that depends what he, she, they, them or them have done. We must learn the reasons behind the behaviours and provide an opportunity for the person to learn. I do think I really always want to try and help people learn. David says engage calmly. Once you lose your temper, you lose the argument. Hayden saying 100% better to engage provided it's safe to do so. Growth is better than cancellation. Always engage, says Aaron. Cancelling them doesn't solve the problem. MGM says cancel culture is just limited to social media drama. It has no consequences in reality. And now, oh, what's Emma got to say?
4: Hi, guys. Um, I feel as though in 99% of cases, I would much rather engage with someone whose views I don't necessarily agree with rather than cancelling them, and that's kind of a personal reason that I would rather humanise someone and try and understand where they come from, even if it's a very negative view, you know, seeing their background, and just because I think it's very easy when someone's being negative and hurtful and hateful to just hate them. Um, and personally that doesn't make me feel any better so I'd rather try and at least understand where that negative energy and viewpoint was born from and again hopefully in some cases try and change their views or at least just sort of sit with the fact that they're maybe not a monster, they've just maybe been through a lot but I know that is always easier said than done
2: Easier said than done, for sure, Emma, but also they're maybe not a monster, they may have just been through a lot, which I think is a very interesting point. I think, honestly, the people who are doing things like crazy mean about people is honestly someone metabolising their own trauma. It's not up to us to take shit for that, but I do think that's why people behave abhorrently online, is because it's some deep pain within them and they've worked out if they can make other people feel as shit as they do, then hopefully... Things will be better. It's wrong. It's not true. But that's my take. Let's have a listen to Eric.
3: Hi, homo sapiens. Eric here from Limerick, Ireland. I just wanted to leave a message about cancel culture. I think cancel culture at times can go very extreme, as we have seen with things like Little Britain and Come Fly With Me, as they have been removed from Netflix and BritBox. But yet they still are are out there and still can be found in things like TikTok and YouTube. Now, I don't think there's any point of getting rid of something altogether. Potentially replacing it with something else is a better alternative, but still have the history of why it was cancelled or what caused it to be cancelled because of it. That's what I think, anyway.
2: No, I don't think pretending something didn't happen is useful or constructive. I think we need to remember to learn our history. However, things like problematic TV shows that have it's come to light are particularly problematic i also think there is for me uh look at me being all emphatic and um exactly what i just said i shouldn't be you know i think taking them down is sometimes viewed as a punishment or a cancellation but in 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 is there not another angle here i am desperately trying to be so um whatever the word is balanced isn't the the other way of looking at it it's like okay, we, we've learned about that now. Let's not keep making money out of it on our platforms. Let's not put it into the public conversation as directly. Of course, it can be found. All these things can be found. But let's not actually have it as part of our portfolio of, for example, on something like Britbox or whatever. It's like, it's making money, you know. And let's to make a decision as a company to not make money out of something that is really upsetting people and was probably in retrospect a mistake But, you know, so I think it's it's really I think it's really important to show development through that stuff. And it's not erasure. It's it's just rectifying in the best way you can in the time that you're in. Sharon's got a very good point for us here.
0: I think this depends so much on what the person actually said or did and what your relationship is. It's not a queer person's job to asshole whisper every rando on the Internet with a shitty opinion. And also, one more voice is unlikely to make a difference to someone under a dogpile. In a lot of internet discussions, I feel I can only make a negative impact, so I block and move on. On the other hand, with a friend, relative, or someone who has reason to value your opinion, starting a one-on-one is worth a try. Obviously, there's also the dynamic of what the person did and how much power they had to do it. Cancel culture is used to talk both about harassing 14-year-olds on Tumblr for using incorrect terminology and publicly criticizing JK Rowling for using her massive platform to promote transphobia in a way that can have impact on people's actual legal rights. And it's important to distinguish those two situations.
2: Very important to distinguish those two situations. Thank you, Sharon. I love that being, it's not your job as a queer person to educate everybody on the internet. And actually, really interesting nuance of like, you know, engage with a family member, talk to them, don't don't just shut them out if you feel they need to learn. But Shouting into the internet, getting into an argument with the whole of the internet. Probably not going to go that well for you. Love it. I think it's time to bring in Dottie. Now, Dottie is a radio presenter. She started at One Extra. She is now at Apple Music. She's Apple's cultural curator and she's got her own show on Beats Radio as well. She's written a whole book about outrage, really. Why and how we've got where we are, which is why are people all shouting at, at each other on the internet? is it useful she's very much coming from the angle which i love about her book about as a black gay woman you know she said this um you know that you do see it through a particular filter and i'm excited to talk to her about that
3: hey i'm Ryan Reynolds at Mint Mobile we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does
1: they charge you a lot
2: The full title is Outraged, Why Everyone is Shouting and No One is Talking. And this week we're talking about cancel culture Mm -hmm. on the podcast. Correct me if I'm wrong, but it's sort of adjacent to what you're talking about in your book. But what I loved is that for someone talking about in and around cancel culture, you're not afraid in the way that you speak. Like it's very like, this is what I think. And I think that's really refreshing. Um, It was full of you and your personality. And was that a decision?
5: Yeah, do you know what? I was nervous writing this book as honestly as I do because we are, we are in a climate where there's people that will receive, you can never please all of the people all of the time anyway, Mm. let alone in the internet age. Um, So I I did have reservations um, because I think you are by, by trade, I kind of need to be liked by a good amount of people do you know what I mean? Mm. It's not like I don't care if people like me, and there, there are loads of people out there like that. Like, hats off to you. Wish I could be one of those people. I do kind of care. Like, I I want people to at least like me a bit. So you, it was it was mm. nerve wracking putting yourself on the page and not being a fence sitter in a book like this. You kind yes. of you. I, I I I have my view, and I don't ever try and impose that onto the reader it's very much like well you kind of make up your own mind but this is kind of where I stand and that is (laughs) it's quite terrifying yes in in this day and age yes
2: yeah well you did it amazingly and like so for anyone listening who hasn't read Dottie's book yet there's two bits I kind of want to talk about which is like the kicking off point for the book yeah and the the sort of cancellation of H and M, and will you tell me a bit about that and what that provoked in you? Of
5: course. So um there was an instance of of mass online and and real world outrage actually because this mm, this built into an actual riot in South African H and M branches. Do you know, what? it was it was the first time I confronted that feeling of obligatory outrage, and I think a lot of us. Don't even realize when we encounter that, which is mm. when there's something which is supposedly an affront to your being. So if you're a woman and something seems misogynistic or you're an ethnic minority and something is interpreted as racist, you kind of, you're obliged to feel that way. It's an affront to your being. So mm. when people said that there was a racist H&M hoodie, I was like, well, there's a racist H&M hoodie. I'm going to have to... Where, where, where do I sign up? Where do I sign up to the protest? Um, I felt duty-bound to go along kind of with the tide of taking extreme offence. But then I looked at this hoodie and a lot of people will remember it. It was 2018, the start of 2018. And H&M put a... Do you know what? Really clumsily put a little black boy in a hoodie that said coolest monkey in the jungle. Now, I, I can see why that's a poor marketing choice, right? But I didn't look at it as, oh, my H&M have set out to be intentionally racist here. And the reason, the reason I approached it in that way is because I, I as, a, as a black woman, as a black gay woman, I encounter,
1: mm.
5: <laughs> I encounter things that are so offensive, the offense leaps off the page, right? I don't, <laughs> I don't need to read between the lines, and say like, is this yes. is this hoodie a bit offensive? Like, if I really study this hoodie, is it offensive? There's there's too much other offensive stuff for me mm. to also now climb aboard the rage train about this H and M hoodie. Um, so I was mm. I was in a weird crossroads where you're like well I want st- to I want to stand with my people and I I I I too want to go along with whatever is angering people that look like me I should feel the way that people that look like me feel um and it's a, it's a mm. very it's a very uncomfortable thing to confront when you challenge that when you question that and you say shit do mm. I actually want to am I actually offended by this though and I, I had to confront that because I think being outraged, it takes its toll on you. Like If you're really going to be outraged and not just performatively so, if you're going to be like, no, I'm, I'm actually really upset about this and I'm going to shoulder the burden of fighting this, that is a big investment. I, I can't throw that around with something that I'm not truly offended mm-hmm. by. So I sat there for the first time and said, I'm not offended enough by this H&M hoodie to rally against H&M because it was boycott H&M. Nobody should shop in H&M again. And I'm like, quite like a four pound t-shirt. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Am I going to, am I going to, am I going <laughs> to sacrifice that? I don't, like, do you know, you know when you've got to pick up like five white tees? Am I, am I, am I going <laughs> to sacrifice being able to do that for under 30 quid? Because there were a load of white guys in a marketing room that decided to put a A black boy in a hoodie.
2: So, in a way, you felt that there was a kind of group of white guys in a room who had made an oversight, and they were being tone deaf. But for you, it was not enough to be outraged by that because you're you're like I I actually think that the end result of that, in some ways, is not going to be helpful. Was it almost that?
5: So the the way I my approach to it or my response to it rather um, is is. Is part of why I explore in the book, which is we have a tendency to kind of pick up branches rather than chop down a tree. That mm. now th- that H and M hoodie, it became like the reaction just became completely disproportionate in my view uh, to the issue because the issue isn't H H&M and racist, then they've intentionally tried to make a fool of this young child, or they've they've approached this aiming to offend black shoppers it's actually absurd what i thought the issue was is that there's clearly some kind of employment imbalance in the h&m structure which means Mm -hmm. they're either there isn't a, a a black or ethnic minority person in the room they're either not present or they don't feel empowered enough to speak up and say this could take a turn. And I think that's an issue. Mm-hmm. I think that's definitely something that, that needs to, to be uh, approached, needs to be unpacked. Um, and it's, it's you know, what, what do our decision-making rooms in businesses look like? Are they reflective of our audience, of our demographic, mm-hmm. of the people that we are aiming to have a relationship with? That's a very real issue. It's not H&M have, have done a racist thing here. And, that, and that, was my, that was my concern, is how how we invest our time and what we direct it towards. Because it, it became a boycott H&M because H&M a racist conversation, when it should have been a, hey, H&M, do you want to you rethink your employment structure? And that should have been the conversation.
1: Mm.
2: Th- that was kind of a piece you wrote in The Guardian. And then yeah. I thought what was quite interesting about it was that, it, as is normal with news, like you didn't write the headline. And the headline oh, was... God, yeah. As a black gay woman, I have to be selective in my outrage. So should you. Yeah. And how did you feel about that? So
5: even that, I was like, this is clickbait. That is actually the jump off point for so much outrage. It's where you've been reeled in by clickbait. There were people that responded negatively to my article based on the headline, which is, why would you why would you declare all of your uh, all the umbrellas you sit under in your headline i think it's 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 identity politics and it's a, it, there was lots of that and it is it's it's part of why outrage thrives and moves so quickly and moves so far on the internet it's because there are these engagement algorithms that media companies have figured out that little websites have figured out like buzzfeed for example you know you you'll never believe what paris hilton said what, what is it then we like we, we we get we get to that point where we're like what i need to know i always right? get on it and it's 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 it it was it was a clickbait headline and i i look at clickbait actually in mm. in the book because i experienced it on the article which was actually trying to dismantle this whole outrage industry a bit
2: yeah it's kind of a, a vortex of like irony yeah i think you said somewhere else like Race, sexuality, and gender means society has three boots on your neck. Yeah, and I could choose to allow myself to be outraged all the time by this, but I don't. But for for you as a person, where do you think that LGBTQ plus people do kind of get the raw end of the cancel culture deal more than others?
5: Well, you know, I mean, I I haven't. I'm I'm not going to pretend that I invented the term of intersectionalism but there are many people whose identity in society kind of sits at a crossroads where sexuality race class we often downplay the importance of class in in these conversations um, but yeah m- many of the these these different aspects of your identity mean that there are a number of things that are an affront to your being on any given day, and I always say it might look, it might be, a, it might be a great day to be black and gay, but just an awful day to be a woman. It's like for me to get all three, it's like hitting like the three lemons on the, on the, on the, on the like, you know, on a slot on a slot machine thing. It's like, oh, do you know what? The, yeah. The,
2: when does that ever happen?
5: The the gays are having a great day, but unfortunately, everyone's <laughs> being racist and misogynistic. Um, it's like. There's, do you know what I mean, there's, there's always something. And I think for the LGBTQ plus community, we do feel that especially when we belong to other marginalized groups, mm-hmm. it's very difficult trying to navigate uh, a world that steers its benefits and its privilege to white cis het men, right? So as, as, as soon as you're kind of, mm-hmm. as, as soon as you veer from that, in any way there is more for you to untangle and i feel that very often which is why i try to be selective because if not i'd be exhausted like if i stood for everything i would i would never sit down and sometimes who doesn't like to sit down
2: (laughs) (laughs) well yeah and i suppose it's eh, one of the things you speak about in the book which i really liked was like let's all remember what the end thing is here. And if when people got outraged previously, they would actually then take to the streets or do direct action in the civil rights movement. You know, things would happen in the physical world as well. Instead, what people are doing is clicking, cancelling someone and then moving on to finding a recipe online and then tomorrow cancelling someone else type thing.
5: Right. Yeah. Look, there's not like an outrage ometer where you can say, I'm going to go nine on that and I'm going to go six on that. But I think we need to figure out what we are investing our energy in. Do you remember when there was like this outrage because Jack Whitehall was going to be a voice of a gay animated character, right? And people were like, well, why? Jack Whitehall does not yeah. identify as gay. So like, why on earth is he going to be the voice of an animated gay character? And I was like, see your point, my fellow gays, see your point. But <laughs> do, do you know how much shit we have to tackle before we start worrying about who's doing the voice of a made up drawing. Do you know what I mean? Mm. And I think it's about figuring out what we care about and then in making sure we invest our energy where it's needed most. If what we are trying to dismantle are these prejudiced, inaccurate, uh, offensive views about gay people about trans women, about queer teenagers. If, if we're trying to dismantle those things, let's not burn ourselves out worrying about a Jack White or voiceover. It's about outrage fatigue and outrage burnout. I am all for protest. I'm all for disruption. I am all for deconstructing and dismantling oppressive industries, structures. But I think in order to do that, we need to be very careful about not making outrage mm. the default sound. If you always crank the volume up to that level, it leaves you nowhere to go. And I think that's, I think that's what's happening a lot, which is why so often we see moments of outrage which have no, there's no, there's no pivot. There's, there's no moment that it triggered because it was just another moment in the outrage cycle. There was no spike. Because that is just mm. the default level outrage.
2: Yeah. And do you, because one of the questions we asked the listeners on a little poll on Instagram, like, do you think cancel culture has gone too far?
5: Cancel culture. I have, I have a, a, a very turbulent relationship with this term. Um, cause, mm. do you know? What? It's like the word woke, like it's been weaponized mm. and, and co-opted by people who like fear consequences. So it's now like, it's quite a flawed idea now. Because it's become this one size fits all concept that it itself lacks nuance. Like, should a celebrity be cancelled for um appropriating tequila? Right? That's why they that's why people wanted to to cancel Kendall, yes. Jenna. Should a celebrity be cancelled for appropriating tequila in the same way that uh, an abusive government official should be removed from office? Like this term cancel, they shouldn't both sit under this same term there's there's no nuance because then you can you can poo poo cancel culture in one sense and say well, well it's nonsense they're just using it to stop kendall selling me- um, tequila in mexico but then oh,
2: mm. oh sorry about the dog he's a regular fixture on this podcast don't worry
5: <laughs> sounds friendly um but yeah i think when, when when you when you try to sit all of these things under the same umbrella it, mud- it muddies it. It muddies it, and it means that some people are able to kind of evade accountability because they're like, "Oh, cancel culture is absolute nonsense." Because we've we've allowed we've we've allowed it to kind of become a nonsense idea. So I, I I really don't like the term cancel culture because we just shove everything under there, and it does it does a disservice to the notion of accountability. I am I am in favour of retribution that is proportionate to the crime at, at all times yes but ca- cancel culture means that it, it's 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 impossible to measure what is and isn't proportionate to the crime because people just slap cancelled on it
2: yeah and one of our listeners wrote in saying you know it should be consequence culture yeah not cancel culture and actually it's almost um like one of our listeners Matthew wrote in saying that it can enable people like jk rowling to sort of weaponize it back at people yes and say oh well you've just canceled me and this is just nonsense when in fact what they're saying is really promoting hate
5: yeah i think jk the jk rowling situation is a perfect example of how the term cancel culture has been kind of and weaponized and and pointed back at at people that want consequences want conversations um, and it's, yeah, it's, it's been in the way that woke is kind of like an insult. Oh, you're woke. It's kind of been, it's like, hold hold on a second. Woke was actually for a time, quite an, Im- mm. quite an important term. And now it's mm. like, it's, it's kind of cringe to even u- use it because it's, it's, mm. it's meaning has distorted. And I think the JK Rowling is, is a great example of how cancelled was kind of distorted and it was, it was used Kind of as a shield, like I'm I'm gonna mm-hmm. I'm gonna hide behind this veil of of cancel culture being nonsense and cancel culture um, stifling free speech. When actually, actually, cancel culture, I think in in its in its in its purest form is an attempt for people to seek progress and, and seek conversation. I th- and I and I think that's that yes. that's part of why I I wrote in the book you know why why everyone is, why everyone is shouting and 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 no one is talking because I think can- mm. cancel culture gets very shouty the idea of it gets very shouty mm. and it's actually in its purest form mm. what you want is a culture where a conversation is had and a person reaches a level of realization and acknowledgement and accountability um that accepts you know what i i really messed up when i said this or when i thought this way 2 years ago or when i expressed something really off color or really inappropriate 6 years ago i get it that like i think that is what we want it to be but it's be- it's become mm. part of kind of internet panto now you're cancelled.
2: Well, it's how you sort of get a main part on the internet, isn't it? Getting cancelled.
5: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> which, which <laughs> for a day. I think, I think it should be everyone's nightmare. I don't think you ever want to wake up and be the main character on Twitter. Nightmare. No. <laughs> 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 I'm. I'm. I like. I think like you should kind of. For me, anyway, I'm quite happy being like like backing vocalist in, on Twitter. I don't, I don't ever want to be the spotlight on you. No good can come from that. Back-
2: backing vocalist is always the best role cuz you get the best moves you get the you can hit the best notes I'm and... telling you ma'am twitter yeah.
5: bvs twitter bvs is where i'm at
2: <laughs> and you um one thing that's really Uh, interesting that you spoke about in the book that is very relevant to the LGBTQ plus community is this article in the Daily Mail about Tom Daly having kids and saying Mm. to summarize like please don't tell me this is normal is kind of the thrust you use that as an example of like how people can actually do something really specific rather than just cancelling Rod who probably might want it I don't know I don't know him um you mean
5: you mean Richard right Richard a little John
2: oh sorry what is wrong with me richard littlejohn yeah i don't know who rod is but i just libelized him <laughs> but the the stop funding hate thing sounded yeah. really interesting tell yeah. us about that
5: um so yes in 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 the book the the kind of the the jump off point for me exploring stop funding hate was this article um which was just re- really offensive really disparaging um towards same-sex parenting i am in a same-sex marriage, we have two children. It's the sort of thing that gets to me on a very personal level when I read something like that. But rather than just getting in a tiz, there was a a sort of a online group of vigilantes called uh Stop mm. Funding Hate who make it their business to try to I guess suffocate these purveyors of outrage. And there are, look there are loads of platforms that thrive on selling you a brand of hate, right? Um, you know, there are newspapers, there are there are far-right websites, there are a number of platforms that have a huge reach and and peddle hate. What Stop Funding Hate do is rather than say, oh, I'm never going to buy The Sun again or oh, I'm never going to buy The Daily Mail again to 30 followers is they try to... <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like loads of people, did, loads of people, I'm going to hit them where it hurts. And me and my sister are never going to buy that rag. What they do is they stop funding hate. They they kind of rally together a community of vigilantes and they approach the advertisers. So if there's mm-hmm. a, a a hate-filled article in, in, in a national newspaper or on a national website and next to that is a can of baked beans being advertised, they will approach the advertising companies and kind of strong on them, strong on them from a moral perspective and say, do is this do you want your brand sat next to this sort of content? And they have successfully got, you know, loads of loads of companies from Centre Parks to Argos to Paper Chase to kind of stop advertising on certain platforms Mm. and that that hits that hits a publication or a platform where it hurts because ads fund these papers and the and the only way Mm. to dismantle these kind of machines is to go for the tree rather than the branch right and and stop funding hate it it is is an organization that does this and they they do it tirelessly and they do you know what they've they've rubbed politicians up the wrong way and people say that they stifle free speech because when you know when when there's something that they don't agree with they just try to get the, the 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 newspapers to suffer and again it's that it's that spiral right it's that it's that it's that cancel mm. that idea of cancel culture being weaponized against people that are offended. Uh, this idea of well, it just being free speech, and you're trying to stifle free speech, If someone can't have an opinion column. But what they are doing, which I really commend, kind of wherever you stand on the the free speech debate, what I commend. Uh, and and which i which I always applaud with any activist or any any radical or anybody who just seeks change on some small level is when you approach it purposefully and that's and that's all all my mm. book is about my book isn't saying don't be outraged it's not that at all it would be ridiculous of me to say don't be outraged in a world that gives us so much to be outraged by what my book hopefully helps people to do is is to, well, first of all, interrogate their subconscious and figure out why they're actually outraged. But if they are genuinely outraged, be purposeful. And and, and that's why Stop Funding Hate mm. um, really interested me and, and why, why it was so important for me to feature them in the book is because they do, when, when they're angry, they're purposeful. They're going to shut some shit down at some point.
2: We're about to invent a word, Dottie. It's not outrage, it's smart rage.
5: Oh, I like it. Stop it. I love it. I love it. Smart rage, mate.
2: Yeah, let's get smart rage. I was smart rage today when I went into the supermarket. You know what? You um,
5: want I tm that, mate.
2: <laughs> We're going fifty fifty on it. It's only fair.
5: I do. Because, yeah, smart rage. Like like outrage. <laughs> outrage is aimless, and quite frankly, it's twenty nineteen. All right. In twenty twenty one, smart rage.
2: But also, what I think is really interesting, listening to everybody's opinions. Today and listening to you speak is like it's cancel culture as a phrase is 2019, it's outdated, and actually, it's not about that, it's about it's kind of developed beyond that, and it's become something that is actually being weaponized, it's being turned around, it's being used to do as much harm as it is the intended good at some point, you know. Really interesting
5: because, do do you know what it does as well? Um, this idea of cancel culture. And the mob it allows in 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 some instances in some instances anyway, it allows somebody who has genuinely been offensive and genuinely been wrong. it allows them to become the victim it allows them to say, "Look what the internet is doing to me. I just said this one thing eight years ago now, look what the internet is doing to me," mm. and it it derails the conversation because it becomes, mm. it becomes less about, well, let's figure out what you did say, why people are offended and why you need to take accountability. Let's talk about that rather than, Oh my God, people have canceled, canceled me. And now I've lost all my brand deals. It, it becomes that. And I think, <laughs> and I, I think that's why we need to, I think we, and I, and when I say we, I mean, people that are effectively in, in search of a better tomorrow. Right. Like that's Mm -hmm. hopefully that's what a lot of us are aiming for when we call people out or when we apply pressure to an organization that has, you know, made a misstep as they like to call it. The reason we, the reason we do that is because we are in search of a, of a better tomorrow. I think we need to be careful in what kind of consequences we're looking for as well, Mm. because Get getting getting like one wayward tweeter fired. It's great, I guess. It kind of makes you feel like you've achieved something for the day. We got that racist guy fired from his job as an estate agent because we all tweeted the estate agent. Kind of feels kind of feels good. Kind of feels like justice. But I think what we need to be careful of is that we're going kind of for the swift, visible justice as opposed mm. to really figuring out what the issues are and having the conversations around those issues.
2: Yeah. Oh, Dotty, thank you. It's been such a pleasure talking to you and it was such a pleasure reading your book. John Ronson called it funny, nuanced and wonderful. He did. He knows what he's on about.
5: If you've read, so you've been publicly <laughs> shamed, you'll know yes. why I was I we came out when he said that it's funny John John Ronson was he was one of the first people by like my editors to read that mm. book and he was like oh um people are now going to expect you to be an expert on 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 every misstep and indiscretion uh, that makes its way onto social media so thank you for uh taking the heat <laughs> off me because I'm sick and tired of and the thing is now people are like so Dottie what do you think about that uh what, how do you feel like that Chrissy Teigen's been Critique has been cancelled how do you feel about that and now it's like i'm like the the, the go-to opinion former on yeah. like cancel culture and it's like whoa hold on mate
2: you need to get like a shared email address like Dotty at gmail.com where people can just contact one of the two of you for an opinion
5: Dotty at smartrage.net <laughs> <laughs>
2: love dotty thank you so much for doing that dotty what a joy that was listeners thank you so much please let us know what you thought about our chat with dotty let us know let's continue the cancel culture conversation where is it useful for us where is it not where are we playing into the hands of the oppressor where are we embracing people with love and hoping to educate people further like dotty says for a better tomorrow is that phrase cancel culture even useful anymore I am very interested in all aspects of the debate. Give us a shout. Hello at homo sapienspodcast.com. Get in touch on Instagram at homo sapiens and on Facebook at homo sapiens Podcast. And if you'd like to win a t shirt, go and re- review us on Apple Podcasts. And we'll select the T-shirt winner and give somebody a prize. Thank you so much, listeners. I love hearing from you all. It's been an absolute delight and loads of love to you all. Bye now.
4: Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands.